Mr. Melvin Hedgehog was gathering supper near his favorite tree when he unexpectedly meets Harriet Leapfrog, and she convinces him to join a ragtag bunch of forest critters as they rescue a fair maiden from a band of hunters sent by her wicked stepmother. Critters is a 2003 masterpiece following the epic adventure and the unlikely friendship of two forest creatures as they save the fairest of them all. That's not the movie we're watching today, but stick with us to hear some about Critters. What up, people? I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. It's episode 108 of Fried Squirms. We are going to be talking about critters. <laughs> no, it's not going to be the description you just heard. Shout out once again to Liz. Thank you for that. I'm really digging that. Wonderful synopsis. Jesus, 108 episodes, dude. I know, right? It's pretty awesome. I was thinking about that throughout the week. You go back 100 episodes, and it was our eighth episode, and how fresh it still was. You know, Eight I can't recall which song it was. Found. Found, yeah. I think so. I'm gonna check right now. I it pulled that. I, <laughs> I pulled that out of my fucking ass, and so I'm you gonna look. Right, I'm gonna look it up right now, and I'll tell you. Anyway, finish your thought while I'm looking it up. But no, I was just thinking, you know, how far we've come since that time period. Not only in how we review the films, but just our setup in general. And eight it, found. Nice. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, just the progression of the show, and I'm really digging it, man. It's really interesting to see the progress we've made. Not only that, but, you know, as of yesterday, too, we were part of a premiere, which was another interesting thing as far as, like, the progression it's gone through. Our own little premiere party. Dude, so much fun, man. I've had, Wait till I had it's somebody else throwing us a premiere party. <laughs> Dude, that was a lot of fun. That was interesting, <laughs> you know? Funny as hell, I laughed a lot. So we are, or I'm alluding to, episode six of Richard Far. It's gone down such a rabbit hole. It's starting to become more and more relevant to this show, because it's starting to become closer and closer to being some sort of weird, fucked-up horror. I love it, man. It's awesome. Yeah. It's not quite there yet. <laughs> like, if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, our Jafar Check episodes aren't quite there. They're not quite horror, if that's why you're listening to this show. But, yeah, just a friendly reminder, <laughs> based on our time in retail-slash-grocery, me and Danny here are the stars, written, <laughs> shot, edited... Yeah brainchild of patrick who is a friend of the show and has been on multiple times he certainly has will be on again in the future probably in the near future probably a couple times i would imagine so (laughs) yeah check those out over on the youtubes to see our beautiful faces a lot of fun so it's been a fun weekend and just another one of those too is like reflecting this film it's a sentimental film for the time period it came out and for the reasons we'll be mentioning it further on in the show yeah, that's right. So I guess if you're new to the show, we're here to talk and give our thoughts about horror movies. Before we get into the movie this week, though, being Critters, I know that you have a couple of little news things you said. Yeah, so before I, I get into like actual horror news, I suppose, is I have been catching up on some reading, which I mentioned before. finished The Shining a couple of weeks ago and started in on Dr. Sleep. The Shining? The Shining, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But I'm really excited, like, reading a little bit of Doctor Sleep and knowing that the film's coming out later this year. And so in hopes, of course, is finishing the novel so that we have a little bit more of a background into the film. But did that. Watched a couple of interesting things this week. I watched a documentary that was recommended. It was about the personal assistant to Stanley Kubrick. Oh, right. Starting, I think, during Barry Lyndon Mm -hmm. all the way through the end. Really interesting documentary. It's called Film Worker. Highly recommended if you want more insight into Stanley Kubrick and this particular gentleman, Leon Vitale. Really interesting, man. He started off, you know, as an actor, wound up becoming a Shakespearean theater actor and not necessarily dropping it all, but he totally changed directions and worked on literally everything after that, all the way up through Eyes Wide Shut, up wow. until his death. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. really interesting, super devoted guy. It's really awesome. So, yeah, outside of that, I guess leading into some more bits of horror news, I did see that Eli Roth is producing and potentially directing survival horror film. It is called The River at Night, and this is apparently for Miramax. So if you're familiar with Miramax, they make up about 80% <laughs> of all my sales. <laughs> but no, I was reading a little bit about it, and it looks like Kevin Williamson, who helped with the script for Scream, and of course Eli Roth, they said that the novel that it's based on, it's a pretty interesting tale, but this says that it looks like it's Girl's Trip meets Deliverance. Mm. So it looks interesting. We'll see what happens, but there are in talks. I once watched a movie I would describe as <laughs> Girl's Trip meets Deliverance. Jeez, but... yeah, make them squeal. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a film that I own. I've seen it a few times. It's been a while, but the original I Spit on Your Grave, the original director of that, and that gentleman is Mir Zarkai, he is actually doing a sequel, like an official sequel, and it's called I Spit on Your Grave Deja Vu. And... If you're not familiar, it's an exploitation film. It's basically a, a rape revenge movie. And of course, there's been several sequels that have spawned out of it, but nothing like totally official, I suppose. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Camille Keaton, she was the original Jennifer Hills. She is going to reprise her role in Deja Vu. It looks like Jamie Bernadette is going to play your daughter as Christy Hills. So this will be interesting if people are familiar with the original want to see his follow-up 40 years later yeah that's something else yeah exactly that's kind of neat to you know have all that time pass and then revisit your original and mm -hmm. just pick up the pieces it'll be interesting i wonder if it'll be like halloween-esque in that regard i only have one piece of news so i'm going to interject yeah. mine before you finish up but i saw that they released a synopsis Zack snyder is going back to the zombie movie well Nice, hell yeah. After all these years of doing 300 and Bat V Soups and getting shit on because of Martha, he's doing a movie called Army of the Dead. Nice. And the synopsis is, The adventure is set amid a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, during which a man assembles a group of mercenaries to take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Huh. So Ocean's Eleven meets... Zombies. If they're going into That's a quarantine zone and shit, like it sounds a little bit like Escape from New York y. That's okay. Um, That'd be fun. I'm all about this. Like, yeah. I kind of like Zack Snyder. Like, he gets shit on a lot for a lot of his choices, and he deserves a lot of it. I kind of don't think he should be a director. I kind of think he should be like the director of photography with the most amount of freedom in all of Hollywood because he can compose just brilliantly amazing images. Yeah, no doubt. 
his movies have to ramble to get to the point that he wants them to make, which is why, like, if you are ever going to sit down and watch a lot of Zack Snyder, watch his director's cuts, because the theatrical versions are usually absolute shit. Yeah. That being said, though, like, he did the fucking Dawn of the Dead remake yeah, back in really 2004. Good. James Gunn's script, which helps, because James Gunn is great. But that was a f- super fun movie. One of the only times that I really liked fast zombies, because I'm very much a slow zombie guy. Yeah, I, I prefer slower zombies as well, yeah. Which is a discussion all of its own, but yeah. Even though he had fast zombies, super dug that remake. It introduced me to Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. Nice. So thank you for that as well. I guess whoever decided to put them in the, on that soundtrack. But, hey, well, there you go. So I'm kind of excited to see what he does going back to zombies again and... Sort of, it sounds like maybe making a movie that's not supposed to be this giant fucking tentpole summer extravaganza <laughs> like he has been. And I, I mean, I have a feeling it's still going to have probably like a bit of a budget because he is Zack Snyder. You know what I mean? But Yeah, so I mean, so he'll have some pull and some leverage, probably getting character actors and things on board. So be but nice. I think this is going to be the smallest thing he's done in a while. And I think that the movie's actually going to be better for it. Well, good. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So a few other bits of news that I have to share is I did see that all four stars of the craft, they reunited this past weekend. And that was the for the first time since 1996. So over the weekend, Monster Mania convention in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, they had the reunion for the craft. And those stars, of course, are Retro True, Robin Tunney, Bruza Balk, and Nev Campbell. They spent the weekend signing autographs and taking photos of fans. So it's been 23 years since the craft was released, and of course, that was the last time they were all together. But that's really cool seeing that. And Shout Factory, they released a collector's edition of the craft. So for those who are fans, need a, an updated Blu-ray version with some really cool special features, check it out. All right. Now, we're no stranger to this gentleman. Ooh, sorry, I have that's one okay. little more update to the Zack Snyder thing. It looks like it's going to be released as a Netflix movie. Oh, that'd be awesome. So Netflix's been doing pretty good lately, I think. So yeah, they've been getting pretty good. They kind of have all, all the money right now. So well, that gives them some leverage too. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. That poster. Right. I'm excited. Cool. Nice. Anyway, back to your news. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So we're no stranger to Alexander Aja and his new horror film entitled Crawl is going to be released earlier. It was announced that it was supposed to get a an August release, but because of Ari Aster in A24's Midsommar that's coming out in August. They moved the movie up to July 12th. So this one is kind of interesting. It looks like Kaya Scodelario in her Maze Runner co-star Barry Pepper, who I, I really like Barry Pepper. He's a good actor. But this film is, it sounds like it's insanely similar to Burning Bright, where the character is trapped in a house with a ravenous tiger during a hurricane. And this is like after a Category 5 hurricane, she gets trapped. So it looks like a survival creature mm. type of horror film. So, yeah. Sam trapped Raby. in a house with a ravenous tiger. I have never seen a movie like that before. I don't really hurricane. want to. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Sam Raimi is going to help produce it along with Craig J. Flores, who's done... 300 Rise of an Empire and Fathers and Daughters. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And the last little bit of news, one of my favorite Italian horror directors, Dario Argento's next project, is a film divided into eight episodes. So 
I'm reading a little bit here. It says that he revealed during an interview that he's working on a new movie, noted that he was soon meeting with the writers to discuss the project. And he had a chat with Radio Ray's one Un Giorno de Pecora this weekend, and Argento, he uh, dished some stuff. So I know there's a lot of stuff that's still early with this, but I'm kind of interested to see what happens. I know some of his more recent releases haven't been that great, mm-hmm. you know, compared to some of his masterpieces, some of the ones we've done. We've talked about Suspiria and opera and so forth and such. So it'll be interesting to see how he does this. I know he's done some other anthology work, so we'll see what happens. But I'm excited. I'm glad that he's still working, and that's even better for us horror fans. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yes. I'll, I'll take more Argento whenever I can get more Argento. So. No doubt. I mean, it, he's still around. There's no telling how much longer, but I'm glad he's still doing some stuff. Hell yeah. Sweet, yeah. Never mind. I was going to interject like I had something, then I remembered I don't have anything, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested, so we'll see what happens. Cool. Shit, is that it for the news this week? That's it for the news. That's all I've been up to. Like, so just reading, hanging out, watching premieres. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've just been fucking sitting around. Like, when we're done today, like, I have to clean my house some, because I've been sitting around doing fucking jack I shit. Out of the weather's been super nice lately, finally. So let's get into this movie. Let's hit the guts and bolts and see who and what went into this. Guts and bolts. So let's see. Start off the guts and bolts. Should probably give a synopsis. Actually, fuck that. <laughs> Firstly, we're smoking on some lemon skunk today. Yeah, dude. So That's the guts and bolts of what's going into us right now. Feeling good. We had a little bit of uh, some chocolate as well. It was a gift. That's right. Oh, it's fucking delicious. You can yeah. Taste the coconut bad. oil was made with. Made it taste nice and light. Oh yeah, it's got me like feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> so. There's that, which is fun. I think the stuff that we've been uh, smoking via what I have is just like some Gorilla Glue. So, yeah, not bad. I like it. But now, into Critters. (laughs) Uh, Let me think. Synopsis for Critters. Spoiler-free synopsis for Critters. A farm family is beset upon by Tribbles with more teeth. (laughs) Oh, the trouble with Tribbles. (laughs) Tribbles in trouble. <laughs> That's all I have. I mean, it's in the fucking yeah, name. Critters. Exactly. If you've seen any kind of poster for it, too, that kind of gives it away as well. Yeah, because they put the fucking critter right on the poster. Yeah, so, I mean, the name alludes straight to the fact <clears throat> with what you're dealing with. And I guess, I wouldn't call this a spoiler, just that a lot of people compare it to Gremlins, so I guess that's kind of what you're getting. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, though. <laughs> yeah, it came out during a time period where you had... A lot of films that kind of fell into this category of... Trying to cash in on Gremlin success. Yeah. You know, they were creature features, Mm -hmm. essentially what they were. So With little creatures that are kind of cute, but kind of not. Yeah. When you get to know them, not so much. So yeah, this one is 1986 release, a really good synopsis. We've got some really interesting people who were working behind the scenes, and of course in front of them as well. Yeah. 
this movie is packed full of character actors that I remember seeing throughout my fucking youth. Yeah, exactly. And there's quite a few we've talked about before, too. So we're no strangers. Mm-hmm. Let's start behind the camera, though. Who do we have as director? Okay, so director, big name. This is, I believe, his directorial debut. It is. So today's gentleman is director Stephen Herrick. And so with Critters being his first, he went on to direct such films as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Which I just watched about three days ago. I know, man. He also did Don't Tell Mom That Babysitter's Dead. That's another one I watched, I don't know how many times in the 80s and 90s. The first Mighty Ducks, which is arguably for some people the only good one, though I'm a big fan of number two. Yeah, no, dude. Even part three, like, I give it some love. Three I have a hard time with, but I I think I'd have to rewatch three now that i'm older the first three i mean of course the original nothing but love i like the second one a lot i love the second one i think the second one's overall my favorite nice the first one for a lot of people is the only one they consider to be a good one i disagree with that (laughs) (laughs) all right so he also wanted to do some other disney inspired films such as the three musketeers in 1993 he also did the remake the 1996 live action 101 dalmatians and the Eddie Murphy comedy Holy Man in 1998. He also directed the critically acclaimed drama Mr. Holland's Opus in 1995. Which That's is really astounding. I also love the fact that he is the one that did Dead Like Me, Life After Death, the movie that yeah. caps off Dead Like Me. And at the <laughs> end, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed until the day I die, because at the end of the movie, it sets up so you could continue the story. That's somehow, pretty neat. But. So he went on after kind of hit or missing with uh, Rockstar in 2001. Or excuse me, in 2000. No, it came out in 2001. 2001. Do you know why? Do you know how I know it came out in 2001? (laughs) Because it came out September 8th, 2001. Oh, man. I was going to say Never Forget Day. It came out September 8th. (laughs) Dang. So it came out and then... Never Forget. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Then nobody cared. Not that anybody was going to care anyway. That movie is not... I've seen that movie a lot of times because they used to play it a shit ton on VH1. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I've seen the edited version a ton of times. It's not a good movie, but I've watched it like a good eight, nine, ten times. We've all fallen victim to that before. <laughs> all right, now, he's also directed such things as Life or Something Like It, Man of the House, and more recently he's done more or less direct-to-DVD market films such as Picture This, Into the Blue 2, The Reef, the Chaperone, starring Triple H of wrestling fame. And he also has done two Dolly Parton TV specials. And I think more recently he's done MacGyver episodes. Mm. Oh, yeah, I forgot they did a new MacGyver series, huh? Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Mm. All right. So moving on from Mr. Herrick, we have a few writers. Now, he did actually help a little bit with the script and the screenplay. is have writer Dominic Muir. He's done such things as The Ginger Dead Man. Evil oh. Bongs 1 through 3, and Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. So no shit, so he's some fucking horror royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Stoner royalty. He's our kind of dude. You, so he's got to get fucking stoned all the oh, time, right? Dude, yeah. If he's writing Evil Bong. The name kind of implies itself, doesn't it? Like, you barely have to write Evil Bong, right? It like, kind of writes itself. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, along with Mr. Muir and Mr. Herrick, we have Don Keith Opper, and he is actually one of the stars in this film. Yeah, I mean, he's probably a good segue, but I think we'll probably end up mentioning some other people before we'll actually get to the actors. Yeah, so those are familiar 
this is not really a spoiler, I suppose, but there are sequels to this franchise. And he has starred in all four of the Critters films, and that is Mr. Opram, speaking of. So, our cinematographer on this, another big name, this is Tim Surstedt. And when you look at his filmography, he has done some really cool stuff. I'll start off with one because the executive producer on that film is Roger Corman, and we're no strangers to him, but the film that he helped DP on was Android, and then he moved on to do such films as Suburbia. Highly recommend that film. It's a wild film from the early 80s. He's done some teen comedies such as Teen Wolf. You might have seen... Fucking love Teen Wolf. Yeah, you might have seen the, <laughs> the rom-com Mannequin from 1987. He went on to do such films, of course, as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You might have also seen some of his work in Tales from the Crypt. He did three episodes in 1990. Those episodes were The Ventriloquist's Dummy. Highly recommend that one. That one was really good. For Crying Out Loud and Dead Right. He did the comedy Men at Work. He's also gone on to do such things as Picket Fences. We're watching that I one. I feel like you're skipping the two big ones. Oh, there's huge ones. Because you haven't said... Office Space. Office Space is a huge one. He also you haven't said did... Idiocracy. Yes, another big one. How about The Wedding Singer? How okay, times three have you seen huge. That? Yeah, no <laughs> shit. I guess I've seen Wedding Singer way more than I've seen Idiocracy. I feel. And honestly, Idiocracy is a good movie, but Wedding Singer has had a way bigger impact oh, on dude. my life. Likewise, man. Adam Sandler during that time period was killing it, dude. I, another comedy I highly recommend. It's kind of one of those gets overlooked. There's a film called Frank McCluskey CI. Highly recommend it. If you know who Doofy is in Scary Movie, the guy who plays that is Frank McCluskey. Now, he's also the cinematographer for Little Miss Sunshine, so that's four huge movies. Oh, um, yeah. I never did see that, but people fucking good, love that movie. Dude. It's really good. It really is. He's also done work on The Invention of Lying which is a great film. Movie 43, talked about comedies. More recently, stuff like Silicon Valley. He's done all 37 episodes of that, which I like. It's, ah, man, some of the later seasons kind of fell off for me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big name. And like I said, most of these guys started off with this Yeah, I'm not going to, so as I'm looking through that, like I'm thinking about all those movies and not a single one of those movies is a movie where the cinematography jumps out at me. Yeah. But that's also not a bad thing because they're also not jumping out of me for being bad. Yeah, exactly. He's always fucking pulling his weight in a lot of movies that, wow. It's pretty yeah, awesome. So that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So our editor on this, another big name, this gentleman is Larry Bach. And when you go back and you look at some of his work, he was an editor on the Rock and Roll High School film, which is really cool. He was also the editor on Sorceress. You might have seen his work on Rambo First Blood Part Two. If you're familiar with the movie Breakin'. Oh, shit. What about yeah. two? No. Damn. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, damn, maybe. He was the editor on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Another film, another one of those, highly recommend, Pump Up the Volume, Christian Slater. Great film. Ooh. Yeah, dude. He was also the editor on The Mighty Ducks, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. How is Alex Winter not in Critters? We keep bringing up Bill and Ted, and I, I feel like this is a movie that Alex Winter would be in. <laughs> Be honest, knowing his style of work, I think it's a little too mainstream for him. Okay, to be true. Fair. True. Good point. Yeah, because Alex Winter does weird shit. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I can just see him in it though. Like, oh yeah, no I can doubt. see his face. Eighty six. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, during that time period too, I think he was on the verge of doing the Lost Boys, if I'm not mistaken. Um... So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now, Mr. Bach is also the editor on such films as Bring It On. You might have seen his work in How High as the editor in that. Oh. 
I know, dude. dude. We were just talking about that before the fucking show started. Yeah, go figure, right? He was also the editor on the Sarah Silverman program. He did 17 episodes of that. He's done a few episodes of Community. And more I recently... I love Community. Yeah, more recently he was the editor on the film Super Athlete. All right, so moving on, we have the music was composed by David Newman. Another huge name. When you look at a lot of his body of work, we'll go back. Like I said, Critters was basically his first big one. Then he went on to do stuff like Throw Mama from the Train, the film Heathers, we're talking about Christian Slater, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the film Little Monsters, War of the Roses, Gross Anatomy. He was the composer for the film The Freshman, <laughs> the DuckTales movie. Mighty Treasure. Ducks, yeah, dude. Sandlot, Coneheads. Dude, I'm telling you. it's The air up there? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, Boys the on the side? <laughs> the Bloodstones movie? Yeah, Tommy Boy. Oh, The Phantom. The Nutty Professor. Shit. Matilda. Fucking jingle all the way. It's my favorite Arnie movie. Galaxy Quest and Bowfinger. Never Been Kissed. Oh, dude, Galaxy Quest is the shit. Bedazzled. I liked the 2000 Bedazzled. Yeah. Fuck people. Some really cool films. Looks like a lot of Eddie Murphy films, man. Yeah, Daddy Daycare. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, so he does start doing a lot of really shit movies in the 2000s, but... Well, I you mean, know, they're mostly like family-oriented you know, you, films. You need fucking, you need to make money. But yeah, <laughs> you look at it, you're like, holy shit, man. Big body of work. All right, so moving on, we have our special effects team. And a really huge name, first one that jumps out, is the Chiodo Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, we're no strangers. If you're familiar with Killer Clowns, we've talked about them before. They help with the special critter effects on this particular movie. Fantasy 2 film effects, they help with the miniature effects and Quicksilver effects studios, they help with the visual effects on this film. Producer, was which, a- by the way, I don't know how I would describe the Chiodo Brothers style, but I feel like the critters are instantly recognizable as no, being no. a Chiodo Brothers product. It has that feel. It certainly does. I don't know if it's... I don't know what the feel is, but right. it feels like it once you've seen it. So our producer on this is Rupert Harvey Production Companies, New Line Cinema. They help present this film. Show Films Production and Smart Egg Pictures were in association with. Distributor for this was New Line Cinema. With the 1986 United States theatrical release, it was released here in the States on April 11th, 1986. Its budget was an estimated $3 million. Its opening weekend, this was dated April 13th, 1986, it made $1.6 million and grossed domestically $13.2 million. Just a nice so, little return. Yeah, that's no wonder it's fun to franchise. Oh, well, yeah. So I've got a few You can make words. a couple failures there, and you've still made your money. Yeah, and then, like, hand over fist at this point. So I do have two taglines. It has multiple, but these two are the ones that stood out to me. So the first one I have is when you've got critters, you need all the help you can get. I actually really, really like that tagline. I saw that tagline earlier, and it took me a second, and then I thought about the movie... And I think it's a really vague way, a really good way, yeah. but it's a really vague way of telling you exactly what actually happens. I like it. And the second one I have for this, they eat so fast, you don't have time to scream. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit more... That's overselling it a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it's a little bit more advertising there. All right, so moving on in the cast, we've got some big names. I'm going to lead off with D. Wallace. She is basically, and this is coming from D. I did hear an interview during their uh, 2011 convention when they did a 25th anniversary for this film. She said basically, she's the mother who tells all the bad people to leave her fucking children alone or else she's going to kick their fucking asses. Absolutely. (laughs) So, 
Dee Wallace plays Helen Brown. She's the mother in this film, of course. We have talked about Dee on two films. We've talked about her in The Hills Have Eyes. That's the original. And we've talked about her during our Death House episode. And she's been in all kinds of awesome films. She was the mother in E.T. You might have seen her in Cujo. I would literally consider her one of the best American screen queens. I was about to say, if you're new to the horror game, like you're just jumping in on our shit, maybe you're just jumping into horror in general, here's a scream queen. She is awesome, dude. I was like, watching this film, it just reaffirmed and confirmed what I just said. (laughs) These four movies alone, even taking out other shit she's done. Hills Have Eyes, Howling, Cujo, Critters. Dude. Scream queen. Yeah, hands down. I'm glad she's still acting. I know she hasn't been in, like, major budget studio money movies, but, I mean, she's got a wealth of films to her credit. And it's not always just horror, but, I mean, that's what she's known for. So, glad that she's in this film. All right, so moving on, I do have a really interesting person. She's in Three from Hell. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That's going to be awesome. (laughs) Really looking forward to that. So, the next actor I have is M. Emmett Walsh. Really interesting person. A name I saw a lot growing up for Absolutely. several different reasons. <laughs> so looking at his body of work, and you know, I like to go back early and look at stuff. So we've talked about this film a couple of times, Wildcats. Grew up watching it. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many times. Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, Goldie Hawn. If you like, I don't know, if you like the movie Fletch, you might have seen him in that. Hey, so there's almost no way that I would have recognized him way back then. Right. Like when I was little watching these. I've mentioned multiple times that I used to try to catch Planet of the Apes marathons whenever they came on TV, which back in the day was decently often that you would get a Planet of the Apes marathon. Yeah, I'd sit down and watch through all of those fucking apes movies. He's the aide to General Winthrop in Escape from Planet of the Apes. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. He's in Little Big Man. That's a fucking great movie. That's a really good movie. No. Slapshot. Slapshot. Yeah, we, we've mentioned Airport 77 a few times. He was in that. If you like Steve Martin and The Jerk, you've probably seen him in that. Blade and Runner. Blade, that's huge, man. Blood Simple. Yeah. Fucking. Oh, Back to School. Raising Arizona. I love. That might be one of my favorite Nick Cage films of all time, to be honest. Catch Me If You Can. Which oh, is really awesome. Yeah. Free, Twilight. Free Willy 2. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Scorpion King 4? Seriously. <laughs> I know. I'm just, like I said, we're both doing it, but Youth and Revolt? Actually, that's not a bad film at all. I actually kind of like it. You know, I, so far, there's been a lot of connections to shit that have popped up. I haven't been calling this out every time I've noticed it because we don't need to be plugging a different podcast that much. But I think almost every name we've mentioned so far has had a connection to a movie that has been on How Did This Get Made. That's funny. And M. Emmett Walsh is in The Odd Life of Timothy Green. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there you go. But no, there's nothing wrong with plugging them. I like them a lot. It's funny. I'd listen to them all the time, so anytime something pops up, oh. I can be like, oh, by the way, they mentioned this on there, but I'm not going to like fill up our <laughs> podcast by doing that, because I could really easily. Oh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. All right. The next actor I have is Billy Greenbush. And Wait, actually, I didn't mention the one role for M. Emmett Walsh, though, that I always think of first. Yeah. Because this is another connection, by the way, but I didn't mean it to be that. Legit, the first thing I, I always think of for M. Emmett Walsh is Wild Wild West. Oh, dude, awesome. 
because that movie came out in what 1999. Yeah, I was 12 years old. I was the perfect, was perfect age range yeah, exactly. for that fucking movie. That's awesome. People say that that's a bad movie. It's not a good. No, when you're 12 years old, that movie is fucking amazing. Wow, wow, West. It doesn't matter that these spiders come out of fucking nowhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that fucking what's his name is racist as shit. <laughs> it's just a good movie. <laughs> that's funny, dude. So Mr. Bush plays. Jay Brown, and he is the father of the Brown family, of course, in this film. And we've mentioned him before because he was in The Hitcher, and we've talked about him extensively on that episode. And if I'm not mistaken, trying to recall that episode and talking about him, I believe most of his parts, he played like policemen or at least people on like motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he's known for. I'm going to look in his selective filmography right now and say I'm seeing Sheriff... Warden, U.S. Marshal, Trooper, Officer, Judge, and Sheriff. All in his job titles and just his selected filmography. That's crazy, isn't it? Dude? That's funny. <laughs> so that's the one thing, like, recalling him during that episode. I was like, yeah, I think that was the dude we talked about was in all his fucking films. Is it like a state trooper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. So the next actor I have in this is Scott Grimes. He plays Brad Brown. And this dude is a pretty well-known actor. And I, fucking, I fucking dig Scott Grimes a lot. I like him a lot. ER, Dr. Archie Morris. Dude, yeah. Steve Smith on American Dad. And I really dig The Orville. And he's on that as well. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, now some of the other films, of course. He reprised his role as Brad in Critters Part 2. He was also in Crimson Tide. You might have seen him in the hockey film Mystery Alaska. And we've talked about that several times. He was on Party of Five, the television show, from 94 all the way through 2000. He was also part of Band of Brothers on uh, television from 2001. You might have seen him in the film Robin Hood. He was also part of Justified. You mentioned Family Guy, The Orville, and American Dad. So pretty well known. Once you see him, it's kind of, you don't mistake him. I didn't know that this is where he got his start. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Honestly, like, even though I've, I've seen Critters before... I didn't put it together in my head that that was young him. Like, knowing it's young him, it looks exactly like young him now. But. Exactly. It's like, he looks almost exactly the same, to be quite frank, and that's good genetics, I suppose. Mm. But he's also a really good singer, dude. Mm. Believe it or not. Like, I stumbled across an old video of his from, like, 1987. And he was singing, and I was like, holy shit, he's actually pretty good, dude. All right, so, anyhow. Next person I have in this is Nadine Vanderveld. She plays April Brown, which is the sister to Brad. And she has been in such films as Munchies, which another one of those little creature feature comedy films. She was in Shadow Dancing. You might have also seen her in East of A, which is kind of neat. All right, now I mentioned Dan Opper because he was one of the writers on this. He does play Charlie McFadden. He has been in such things as Black Moon Rising. He was in the film Slam Dance. He was also a part of that Roger Corbin film, I was saying, uh, Android. He he talked about that was kind of like one of his very, very first stints at acting. Now, he also reprised this role I mentioned from Critters 1, this one, all the way through Part 4. He was also in the films The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag, Ghost in the Machine, and the film Infection. Big name, Mr. Billy Zane, makes an appearance in this film as Steve Elliott. Zoolander's Billy Zane? Oh man, you know it. Tales from the Crypts, Demon Knight. Damn. Back to the Future Part 2. And the original as well. He reprised his role. I think he was one of, one of the bully kids. In yeah, that oh, film. that's right. Yep, yep. Looking back on that I always remember him for, he was in Titanic. Oh, yeah. Which is funny. All right. This is a little bit of trivia. 
So if you continue to watch these films, in part three of Critters, you get to see a young Leonardo DiCaprio. And I believe he's like one of the stars in that film. And Billy Zane is in this film. And they start together in Titanic. See, I always think of The Phantom. Dude, The Phantom is awesome. Because, let me think, The Phantom is 96. So when you're nine, somebody <laughs> punching a skull into the forehead of somebody else is yeah. one of the coolest things your brain can oh, comprehend. I'd be remiss if I don't mention this. He was also a part of David Lynch's Twin Peaks for several oh, episodes, yeah. too. So it's like, man, I like him a lot. He's just another one of those guys. I don't think he ever ages. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not at all. He looks the same <laughs> since this role. Yeah, and I mean, he's still doing all kinds of awesome stuff. He was in Zoolander 2 more recently. He's been in the Sniper films, Ghost Shooter and Ultimate Kill. And it looks like he's done uh, the film Samson, and there's an upcoming film called Clips of Freedom. So, I mean, he's been in TV. He's been in some big movies. Once you see Billy Zane, you know exactly who we're talking about. He's even the voice of Brody in SSX Tricky. That's pretty funny. <laughs> all right. So, along with Mr. Billy Zane, we have Ethan Phillips, who plays, I guess he's like a deputy, Jeff Barnes in this. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, so, with that being said, if you start looking at this gentleman's film career, he did a lot of stuff with Star Trek, because he was mostly in the television series. He was in Star Trek Voyager. He was Enterprise. In, yeah, Enterprise. He was also part of the Trekkies. A Next Generation. <laughs> First yeah. Contact. He was in Bad Santa as Roger Merman. Herman Merman's dad. Okay. I was like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. He's done stuff with Rugrats, so he's lent his voice in television series, kid stuff. We saw him in the Purge election here. Yeah, which is really cool. Uh, he was also part of Veep, the television series. You're right, we saw him in Purge election year. And he was also part of Better Call Saul, which is another one I like a lot, too. He's also done stuff for video games, so you might have heard his voice in any of the Star Trek games like Voyager Elite Force... He's Neelix on Star Trek Online, and yeah. he did some Star Wars roles, but it's more like various background. Yeah, it'd be hard to pick him out, but... <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty interesting. All right, so moving on, we have another actor, and this is Terrence Mann. He plays dual roles. He plays Johnny Steele and the character Ugg, even though I don't think they ever mention... Do they ever name. actually say Ugg? No, I think the first one they mention that in is actually in the sequel, if I'm not mistaken, part two. Okay. So Terrence Mann, Solar Babies, of course, is what most people should think of. Uh, I think we mentioned this film <laughs> once because of uh, the guy who played Sammy Kerr in Trick or Treat. Oh, Because yeah. he was in a chorus line as well. Oh, shit. No, I did mention there was another gentleman who reprised his character all the way through the series, and this is Terrence Mann, because he was in Critters 1 through 4. You <clears> mentioned <throat> Solar Babies. You might have seen him in such things as Big Top Peewee, which I've seen that film a lot of times. He was also part of Gargoyles, the television show in 1996. He lent his voice in that. You might have seen him more recently in the television series Sense8 from 2015 through 2018. For me, Terrence Mann is the best part of the failed Dresden Files TV show. Oh, cool. I'm a huge fan of the book series. I have all of them scattered throughout these couple rooms of my place here, including one signed by the author nice the tv series was for the most part bullshit <laughs> but terrence mann played bob and was although vastly changed from the books was absolutely delightful nice. and was one of the most enjoyable parts of that show so awesome dude hell yeah so another actress we have mentioned before 
Glenn Shea plays the character of Sally in this film. Now, you might have heard us talk about her in A Nightmare on Elm Street when we started doing our slasher run, mainly because I believe it was her brother is a big wig in New Line Cinema. So she's been a part of a lot of those franchises. So anyhow, if you want to reference some of her film works, I think she's been in some of those Insidious films. I mentioned A Nightmare on Elm Street. She's a part of some pretty interesting horror franchises. So, no stranger there. And like I said, if you need more reference, you can always check out that A Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, so I have Jeremy Lawrence. He plays Reverend Miller. He's also the preacher in this film. He's been in such films as Body Double. He was also a part of the film Private Resort. He was in Book of Love, which is a film I used to watch a lot back in the early 90s. He was also part of ER, the television series, in 1995. And more recently, he was a part of the Blacklist television series in 2016. In the last credit I have is Corey Burton. He helps voice the Krites slash Critters in this film. So and he does all the critter speak? He does. Okay. And when you look at his body of works, you're like, oh my God, it's unbelievable. Because he has voiced literally probably almost, I would say the majority of cartoons we grew up watching. And well, Which part are you looking at? Like his work with Disney? With Disney, yeah. Because a lot well, of his primarily. work with Disney was part of their storyteller records. And so he did do voices for, like, the Mad Hatter and Dale and Zeus and Captain Hook and the White Rabbit and, like, Goofy and shit like that and reprised those roles in a lot of different things. But some of them are, like, really obscure things, like different video games yeah, and shit like books on tape and stuff like that. It's- However, he also did huge things like he's Count Dooku in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Dude, if you ever watched Transformers in the 80s, you've heard his voice several times. Because he's what? Shockwave, Sunstreaker, Brawn, and he's Spike Wickwitty. Yeah. Witwicky. And later on, he does the voice of Megatron, Ratchet, Ironhide, and Brawn. <laughs> Dude, unreal. So, like I said, he lent his voice to a lot of stuff. One I used to watch a lot was Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, because he voiced Dale in that cartoon. <laughs> I mean, a lot of stuff with Disney, so it's really cool. Kingdom Hearts, specifically. Mm-hmm. But Transformer, probably, like for me growing up, that's probably where I heard his voice the most. This is a little bit of trivia. He said that some of it was, like, jarbled French and Japanese. That's oh, okay. how he kind of got the language for them, I suppose. One of the really, really cool things I, I saw that he did was... Did you ever play Brutal Legend? I didn't. With Jack Black? I know what you're, I know exactly what you're talking about. Never to play it. The, the most metal video game of all time. <laughs> He's the narrator for Brutal Legend. Oh. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. That's awesome. That game is amazing. Anyway. <laughs> I always wanted to play it. I know exactly what it was about. Just never got around to playing it, unfortunately. But yeah. Hugo, Hugo Strange in Arkham City. Dude. Nice. Yeah, all sorts of fucking crazy filmography, crazy career. Yeah, he's voiced so many different characters. It's unreal, man. But it's awesome. I mean, it's a testament to his voice. But yeah, that's our cast and our crew. We gave you a brief synopsis. Our friend gave gave everybody a brief synopsis, even though it's not right. But it's it's awesome. I'm glad that she's doing that. Thanks, Liz. Man, last week I was thinking about that, too. Like, after we talked about it. It's like, man, that's so funny. All right, shit. So, yeah, we did all that. What's some warnings for this? Some warnings. A little, little bit of little language. Bit of, I mean, a it's a little bit of blood and gore. Not much. Not much. Very little. And not, not in, like, a violent way. No. The most blood you see are like one isn't even like the result of violence one time it's just a morphing process i don't want to give too much away but but you're right there's a little bit of that there there's and then there's the other time with the cow 
Yeah, there's a little bit, a little bit of gore, just a little bit of gore. But this is one of the first PG-13 films. Yeah. So keep that in mind as well. It's toned down, hence not the high body count in this film. True. Yeah, pretty low body count. I kept expecting there to be a higher body count as I was watching through this movie. Right, but. exactly. But I think the further that the sequels went along, that's when the body count started to take its toll. But yeah, I mean, this is a pretty tame film for the most part. It's uh, a little bit of a comedy, like a dark comedy mm-hmm. in some regards. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh, I think let's just get into it and start talking about it. Let's go uh, find out how did critters make us squeal. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what? What's going on? Oh Jesus, come on! Oh my God, what's what's going on? Where where am I? Oh gee, why why? Come on, somebody, somebody! Ah, come on, come on, come on, come on, somebody! Sir, come on, somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on, sir. Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Aw, Crydy. Here to talk about some fucking critters, Danny. What do you think? Dude, I think I mentioned this too. Is got a little bit of history with this film. Alright, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear this right off the bat. Okay. Because I don't have much history with this film. I've seen it before, but it was like once, and it was a while ago. This is one of those films... In the 80s, specifically the late 80s, where my sister and my brother Brian, I mean, we used to rent the shit out of this film. So I saw this movie probably an ungodly amount of times during that stretch. It's been a while since I've watched it. I bought a DVD copy of it more recently. But anyway, it had been a while. But like I said, growing up as a kid, I remember seeing it. I remember actually some of its sequels, too. So I'm very familiar with this franchise. I've only seen clips of any of the sequels. Like I remember the giant like I remember the giant critter ball in number two. There is a scene in part two, I remember, because during that time period I was starting to recognize the female anatomy. Mm. <laughs> and uh, there was a very bugsamy blonde in the second one who is like a bounty hunter. Oh shit. So that's cool. why I remember it too, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, like I said, this one I grew up is with. Is that is it Samus? You'll well I'll show you some shots later. <laughs> but no, it's, it's pretty interesting. Cool. Shit. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, I've seen this before, but it's been a while. And like, I was always like, yeah, Critters, that's cool. But it's never been one that was like super jumped out at me. I mean, honestly, even this time through, I have nothing bad to say about Critters. I think it's a totally enjoyable movie, but like, it doesn't blow my fucking oh, no, socks exactly. off. Likewise. Like, I knew it There's was... some really cool things they do. I really mm-hmm. like the critter design and everything, but... Yeah, like, just revisiting mm-hmm. it. It's like, there were certain things I did remember. There was, of course, things I had forgotten about, but... It's like, if nothing else, I know it's going to be a good time. 80s films, typically, whether they're goofy or not, they're typically a good time. The biggest thing that I had forgotten about, and is actually my very first note, is I forgot just how fucking sci-fi it is. Oh, yeah. Great point. I think that's something that gets kind of skipped over a lot of times that people talk about critters. Very sci-fi, right? Very fucking sci-fi. Hell, most of the time... All right, we're going to get meta for a second. It's something that kind of has bugged me. This is what I thought about most as I was watching through these times. My biggest thought as I was watching through these two times in the past two days is that so often this movie is only ever brought up in the context of 
the wave of movies that Gremlins spawned. And this probably being the most successful of the Gremlins spinoffs. No doubt. It doesn't strike me as bearing any resemblance to Gremlins at fucking all. No, very little. Other than their small creatures. The only scene that I could say is arguably Gremlins-esque is towards the end when the critters are just sort of fucking around in the house for like two minutes. And you have like the one critter fucking around with the E.T. and the others are just like jumping on the bed. And And that's where more or less it's just the comedy aspect of it. So here's what I wrote down. The rage virus is to zombies what critters is to the blob. This movie's basically the fucking blob in a lot of ways. It really is. Especially number two, because number two they went more for like a shit ton of critters, right? Yeah, for sure. But this one does have a feel of one of those drive-through, you know, 1950s invasion kind of stories that came from space. I mean, I know that they only worked on the special effects, but this feels more like Killer Clowns than it does Gremlins. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. 100% feels more like Killer Clowns than it does feel like Gremlins. I mean, aside from the fact, of course, that Chiodo's worked on it, but it does have that sci-fi feel to it. Yeah, and a little bit more on the nose with the comedy aspect of it as well. So I feel like, I don't know, I guess a lot of the conversation around Critters, as I think back on it when I've heard different things talk... Even, shit, recently I I finally got around to watching Eli Roth's horror, History, of horror, History yeah. of Horror. Critters is pretty much only brought up as being derivative right, of, gremlins of Gremlins during that time. Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate the way it does get put in that lot of films with, like, ghoulies and... Not necessarily because it's a critter, but, like, Leprechaun too, just because, of, you know, you're messing with smaller characters mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It just kind of, I mean, it, it oh, yeah. has a Ghoulies would be the other one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, Troll would, would probably be another one. But it's just that, like those series of films that came out right after Gremlins had a, a similar tone to them, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to lump this in with that. I, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Because it's a completely different feel. It's a different story altogether. And it's more rooted in the it's sci-fi It's way more element. rooted in the sci-fi yeah, element. No doubt. Whereas Gremlins is far more fantasy, which I know is splitting hairs, but... But no, I I totally agree with that, too. It does feel a little bit more, like I said, a little pulpish, a little bit more comic style, I suppose. Um, Gremlins is more like a fairy tale. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a lot more... I mean, you have fucking sci-fi bounty hunters from outer space... (laughs) Yeah, dude. The humans in this are pretty much inconsequential. Yeah, they're just this is actually This is literally not a story about, when it comes down to it, the action that's going on is, it's a story about these critters being hunted down by bounty hunters. Exactly. And the humans are just caught in the middle. Yeah, so they're just secondary to what, what's actually going on. They just so happen to be in the middle of it. They just ha- Yeah, we're just peeking in on them because they're the most relatable. And because I guess, I mean... Scott Grimes is pretty... He's a likable character in this. Not only is he likable, I mean, I have a feeling that the bounty hunters would have eventually caught up to the critters anyway. Right. But he's a big reason that they were able to take them down as quickly as they were able to. Yeah, he was definitely of service in this film. He's a lot like... we. I know we've mentioned this before, too, with characters like Mike and Phantasm, just capable kids, like mm-hmm. capable characters. He's definitely... I think he, I would put him in that category as capable characters. I mean, a lot of this movie, to me, felt very relatable. I felt they did a really, a pretty good job of capturing sort of the small town vibe. Yeah. Even though, by the looks of things, even though it was supposed to be a small town, it was probably quite a bit bigger than the town I actually grew up in. Wow. Just given the fact that they actually had a bowling alley. (laughs) 
Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, good point. <laughs> when I started watching this film over again, the first thing that kind of it reminded me of a little bit, just a little bit, was like, oh, this has tones of like almost like Superman in a way. Like, there's this alien life that's crashing in Kansas of all places in the middle of a fucking field. It's like, wow, these guys are kind of showing their influences, you know, growing up, I'd imagine. So that was kind of neat. And then, of course, you know, the further you plot along, the more references like the blob you were mentioning, you start to feel that a little bit. Yeah, so that's I kind honestly, of early feels like that from it. I feel like there's a lot of good, good ideas with the critters. And I know kind of how the sequels have been received and how they've turned out. Yeah. And I hope at some point somebody extremely capable gets their hands on the franchise because I think there's still oh. a lot that you could do with them. Well, Tyler, here's some good news. Um, I know that there's like two different Critters projects coming out right now, but yeah. I'm not entirely convinced that either one of them is going to live up I, to what could be done with these Critters. I have a good feeling you're right about that. <laughs> but one of them I am kind of curious about because, you know, we subscribe to Shudder. That miniseries, that's about to come out mm-hmm. for that, so... And don't get me wrong, I want to watch them. I'm probably yeah. still going to enjoy them. But I believe enjoy right. them. But... There's a lot of things you can play with just based off the story alone. And the fucking the spines that they can shoot make them extra terrifying, <laughs> I think. And there's things that they were able to do well in this movie because of the threat that the critters actually pose. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're voracious eaters. Like, that's what they're there to do for the most part. This film, I think, more so than the latter films, is the thing about them growing. That doesn't really come back, does it? No, and I think that was probably why... That needs to come back. Later on, they form like these huge balls. So as opposed to them growing, they just kind of form together. I like the idea of them forming into big balls. Like, I think that's also a really cool idea. Yeah. But I think the idea of them growing also needs to be part of it to truly... I kind of like that idea, too. Like, how much I learned about the Graboids and, like, their evolution as Mm -hmm. they progress. Like, you could do the same with these critters. Like, there has to be an evolution to them. We saw them growing, so you know they're capable of at least doing that. We only saw a handful of them. I would like it if you made the critters a little bit more primitive and animalistic. Not necessarily capable of um, (laughs) hijacking something. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't want to necessarily see them capable of hijacking something the way they did at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, they were dude. But I do want them smart enough to be able to actively, like and sneakily stow away to be able to get to different places but be a bit more primitive and like a force of nature and sort of see like these super animalistic critters that maybe like at a certain point like if certain ones get big enough might even be a little bit cannibalistic just to increase growing and like yeah there's a lot of wiggle room you can play with there. Some of the stuff that it reminded me, too, of a little bit is Alien, like the Alien franchise as well. Mm-hmm. You're just dealing with that force of nature. Like, you don't necessarily know where it comes from. It's just it wreaks havoc when it when you're in its proximity. So, it's either you kill it or you're going to get fucked. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, fucked. I guess I want to see them more like, almost like a locust swarm. Yeah, Except with other interesting alien characteristics. And a yeah. little bit smarter. Like, I do think they should have <laughs> more intelligence than normal, but not yeah. enough to not be entirely non-animalistic. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, th- that's not what we get. But, <laughs> like you said, we do get growing critters, and I think that's really cool. And I think yeah. that's something that... There's some of the interesting things mm-hmm. you can still play with there. But, like, so they didn't further it in the franchise itself. 
Some of the early notes I got, man, <laughs> it was uh, Lynn Chase. She's reading the National Inquisitor, and the first line that she says, I was like, oh, that's oh, yep. John Travolta used to be a waitress in Fort Myers, Florida. I believe it. That's what I wrote down. I wrote down, I believe, Travolta as a waitress. <laughs> well, here's something that's interesting. If you follow anything about Scientology, not necessarily Fort Myers, but Florida, and there's, I can't remember which town it's in, but there's like a huge Scientology center. I thought you were going to go down the route of, like, if you follow entertainment news, it's long been... Travolta's proclivities have long been rumored. I know where you're going with with that. Yeah, yeah, from massage parlors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know all about that stuff. But no, what I was thinking, too, is, like, I wonder how much that has to do with Scientology as well. Mm. You know? But I think either would suffice. (laughs) Like, I'm like, these two things come together to the fact that, like, this isn't a surprising headline. It's probably a little bit more surprising in 86 than it is now. But... Oh, yeah. Now it's like, oh, yeah, we've heard these rumors. <laughs> yeah, we've grown up with these rumors. Yeah, like... no doubt. But what I thought was interesting, too, is like, oh, shit, there's Lynn Shea. And thinking about, like, you know, after seeing her in Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's in another New Line Cinema film. And grown up, had no fucking clue who she was. But it's kind of neat seeing all these films she's in now. So my next note after this, and it could take place at any time in the movie, but I find it especially apparent whenever the family's just sitting around and her face is really relaxed. But at this point in her life, Dee Wallace bears a striking resemblance to an actress these days who, let's just fucking remake Critters with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. J-Law looks a shit ton like Dee Wallace. That would be interesting if they were to decide to do that. The cast. I kept seeing that. I'm like, Dee Wallace at this age looks like J Law. Damn. I know. Striking resemblance. You're right. Yeah. I mean, she was a good looker. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Like so her mannerisms later on in the film was like, oh yeah, this is why we said she's a scream queen because she does a damn good job. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's that, really neat seeing her doing that. That's something I didn't make a note of that, but that's something that stuck out in my head too. Like later on. There's a bit towards the middle as you're going into the third act, and uh, that reminds me a lot of the birds. Yeah. When they're yeah. sort of stuck in the house. And even, like, there's that part where they try to come out to the car, and it's not quite as suspenseful as having all the birds just sitting around them like we see it in that movie. Point, yeah. But the critters are small enough that they can come from anywhere, so it's kind of the same feeling. You know, it wouldn't surprise me, too, if, like, any of those, whether it's the uh, DP or it could be the director or the writers that were influenced by that. I mean, that makes perfect sense when you think about it. But in a lot of those sequences, Dee Walls definitely gets to show off her abilities as a scream queen. Yeah, and I mean, she's super believable as that motherly figure and, you know, having to deal with, like, these massive situations and just the responses you can get out of her. I, you know, when I think of, like, this film, I think of Cujo, and even going back to The Hills of Eyes, it's like, she's consistent, man. <laughs> she's pretty damn consistent. So it was fun seeing that. One thing that stood out to me, I have to mention it. I think we've already joked about it a little bit off the podcast, but the first time you see Terrence Mann in this movie, you don't see him uh, oh, as the bounty hunter. Right, you see him <laughs> as, what's his fucking name? So you see him as Johnny Steele. And Johnny Steele. And the song Steel. is Power of the Night by Show Records Corporation. Music video. Johnny Steele. Oh, my uh, gosh. Was the band named after him? Did it say anything, or was it just like Johnny? Did, it just like, said Johnny Steele. It just said Johnny, just Steele. Johnny Steele. So let's not forget that this guy later went on to do Rockstar, which had a band called Steel Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny, <laughs> isn't it? Okay, 
So just a few of the notes I wrote down during that, because what they were doing, those bounty hunters, which I thought was kind of neat. They had those like two little lenses that went over their eyes. I thought for, so I thought that was really neat the first time through. And the second time through, I had to question it a little bit. I'm like, if you're going to give them the sort of like absorb it through your eyes sequence like that, where you're checking out a bunch of humans, like fifth element style. Yeah. 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 Is what I think of it now then maybe they should be a little bit better at fitting in with humans when they actually get there and not so bad at just, you know, blowing the fuck out of everything up. Oh, dude. I got a lot of notes about that. <laughs> they cause so much fucking destruction. Dude, uh, it's funny. Doesn't that get, like, the family kicked out of the town in the long run? I can't remember. I have to watch the sequels, but it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. Like, people are like, no, fuck you guys. You brought, you brought aliens around. Shit. and yeah. I mean, yes and no. Technically, no, but yeah, yes. they didn't bring them around. But of course, people are going to blame them. That's yeah, exactly. It's like through proxy, they're going to get blamed. Especially since they're the ones that got their house rebuilt in the end. <laughs> All right, so this is, this is what I like. Like, so the sequence plays out until they get to Johnny Steele in mm-hmm. a damn song, "Power of the Night." And this is the few notes that I wrote down about it. Fuck I, that song. I put '80s music video in a movie. <laughs> Like, you don't see that very often anymore, a music video. Well, not unless you watch our episode six. You might get to see a glimpse of that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that, oh my God. All right. The next one I wrote down during that sequence was that jump, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, yes. That's just added to that. I mean, the hair alone, already you knew you were in the 80s. At that point in the movie, I'm like, oh, fuck. Are we watching yeah. goddamn Trick or Treat again? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm okay with that. Well, how many, how many times am I going to have to listen to this goddamn song? I was thinking that. I was like, this has a little bit of that Trick or Treat feel because of that shit. And the last note I had, because it was during that face transformation And then sequence. I was like, why couldn't it be a cool song like Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Oh, cute. Man, that song's still, that's dope. But I was like, power of the night. <laughs> and like, hell yeah, I want to see a jump. There's a jump, yeah. <laughs> fucking power leap but that face transformation was kind of neat i did like that face transformation was neat i loved how the one bounty hunter kept changing through yeah, faces yeah, i like that but you're right i thought it was like that's a cool way to cut down on production costs too yeah you've already got the actors you know, pff, little simple trick <laughs> a little cg or work wonders all right so the next thing i have too is when we first get to meet billy zane and we find out of course he's like the new boy toy of april He's a New Yorker, so he's already going against that kind of grain stereotype. Did you write down, or did you see what his license plate said? I, I didn't see that. All right, so I wrote it down. It says, I don't give a shit what your other car is. Too great, and that's from New York plates. I was like, oh, they're playing it up. But I was like, yes, Billy Zane. How often do you see a young, super young Billy Zane in this type of role? My note about Billy Zane is that Billy Zane, throughout this entire fucking role, was just effortlessly charming. Yeah, super charming Billy Zane. I he, felt bad for him having to deal with April, trying to fucking feel him up yeah. in front of her obviously strict dad. Yeah, her dad, not not D. D knew what was up. But I was just like, what the... You know how your dad's going to fuck her in your act. And this is my first time so meeting him. Knock this the fuck off. I know. Are you trying to get me killed already at the dinner table? What are you What are you doing? I'm like, not not that I don't dislike it or anything, but... And then if I was him and she pulled that fucking let's go to the barn business, I'd be like, look, they're still home right now. 
I have a car. Yeah. What's right around a little cool bit? cool car. Let's go watch the submarine races. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, we can go to the barn sometime when we know your dad's not going to be around. Yeah, it makes more sense. Because I am looking to get killed. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like... And I'd be thinking that even through the power of a teenage boner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is... Because dad was that scary. Yeah, for sure. He's already talking about hay in your car and... <laughs> So, yeah, unfortunately, Billy doesn't have a good ending. He was one of the few human casualties in this film. Right. And the other human casualty that immediately jumps to mind, the fucking highway patrol. Yeah. Was he just, like, getting ready to fucking whack a dog? Yeah. I was, like, I was just like, motherfucker. Like, that's what I did. I was like, nice driving, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> fucking little critter rolling across the road. He's like, oh, goddamn dog. Yeah. Like, that's not a dog, dude. Yeah, he's pissed go at the dog, the dog for wrecking him, and he was going to go fuck a dog up, so fuck, fuck that guy. Yeah. All because he fucking struck out. Yeah, with Lynn. Yeah. Wanted to get coffee and donuts. Which, way to play into stereotypes, dickwad. I know. <laughs> fuck, fucking guy. No but, wonder. But like, I would have turned him down, too. Like, yeah. be more original than that, son. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta come I at gotta me better than hair. coffee and donuts. <laughs> That's funny. But that's the first thing I thought, too. I was like, he's supposed to be a deputy highway patrolman, whatever. And he can't do any better than that. Like, the way he swerved into the ditch. What the fuck was that? For some reason, it's kind of a dumb line. One of my favorite lines from the entire movie is the fucking stupid ass. You knew it was coming, but the, I wonder what team he's on. <laughs> yeah. In the bowling alley. Jesus. I knew it was coming, and still when the dude fucking said it, I was just like, oh... I'm in. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I did write down a few things. Not very many, but one thing that stood out to me in that bowling alley <clears> sequence <throat> was there was a team, and their shirt said, Honey Boy. I don't know if you caught that or not. No. I was kind of curious because I knew Ew. one of them was... That uh, doesn't sound good, does it? No, no. no. See, at first I thought maybe it was a nickname of one of the bowlers, but there was several bowlers with that on the little signature on the back. The fucking pinbusters yeah, bugged me enough. Because it didn't look enough like a pin either. Yeah. Like, they made that pin look too human-ish before turning it into a ghost. Like, ooh, we need to, yeah, maybe not make it too apparent. I was kind of wondering, I'm like, is that the fucking KKK busters? Oh my gosh. I wasn't thinking that. That's funny. I knew that was kind of like, they're a little nod to Ghostbusters, but I can see that too. (laughs) That's funny. But yeah, the other little note I had too was like, that was the third facial swap for that other character because the first one was jeff who we just talked about the cop second one was during the church sequence with the preacher talking about sodom and gomorrah and of course like the typical lady who finds like that kind of stuff humorous (laughs) offbeat woman yeah so you get to see that but i was like man all these buildings are super fragile in this town dude like the house is made out of freaking balsa wood apparently and so is the damn church Look, it doesn't matter considering how they were fucking just slinging those goddamn alien weapons around. You're right. We need to talk about that because, man, they blow some shit up. They wreck shit. <laughs> it was good. They wreck everything. <laughs> I, I like, too, like when they first get into the squad car and they're like, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And then simultaneously, they pull the trigger and the shotgun and put that shit in reverse. I was like, yes. I love, I love them just fucking rolling up in reverse to the fucking bowling alley. Though. That shit is hilarious, man. Yeah, it had some really good scenes. I mean, that's a little bit out of fucking trick or treat too. The car. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, 
the critters. <laughs> like, they have weapons. So what? Boom. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> that was good. So what? Yeah, she nails it with the shotgun. Oh, my God. There's some good fucking funny scenes in this movie. There are. I like him fucking with E.T. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was kind of funny. Who are you? <laughs> Popping him. Yeah, that was pretty good. So there was some really interesting things I, I was kind of looking at. And I was like, okay, so I do see what they're doing. They're making a little bit of fun of that, too. Like, the fact that the scene with uh, one of the critters that song catches fire and jumps in the toilet. Mm-hmm. They said that was like a little bit of a nod to the movie Ghoulies because that's how they come out. Oh, okay. <laughs> they come out of toilets. So I was like, all right, that's interesting. There was a, several other ones I talked about the E.T. Because Dee Wallace, too, she was the mom in E.T. Right. So that's kind of on the nose there. Interesting. With top billing in both? Oh, yeah, for sure. What I thought was kind of neat, two things. The first one is in E.T., I think it's Kid Elliot. He tries to pull the trick with a thermometer. And he gets away with it in E.T. She falls oh, for it. Oh, yeah. This one, she doesn't. Yeah, because he was dumb about it. Yeah. And got it up way too high. So I wonder how much that was on the nose. Did that? Did you ever try that? Did that ever work for you? I never... Well, I can't say I never. I know that line. I tried it, but I, I don't think it worked, but I... I never I was... also feel like I would remember more if I got reamed out for it. Yeah. And I don't remember getting reamed out for I it I think either. that, for me, it was like too scared to get caught doing that. So I was like, uh, even when I was trying to do it, I was like, I never went all the way through it. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe I just tried to warm it up and then chickened out at the last minute. I don't remember well That's enough. That's pretty much I, I fucking smoked those memories away. <laughs> yeah, me too. But yeah, my slight recollection of that is like, I never went through with it. I know that I at least tried it, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, like... What kid has it once you see yeah. that shit? It's like, you have to at least try it. The second thing I was going to say is, while I was in Portland, when I went and seen Claudio Samanetti goblin mm-hmm. is all i stopped you tried that shit on him i tried it and it didn't work but <laughs> you're uh, like but i'm dying see i'm sick no i was gonna say with D. so Wallace, let me suck you <laughs> i mean not gonna die but i went into that movie madness video rental place and i actually got to see the costume that d wallace wore in et oh okay oh, during the right. halloween yeah. sequence yeah so i got to see that dress that she wore and stuff so that's kind of a weird kind of full circle i guess with this film too but yeah so that was kind of a neat nod like i I saw that i talked about a little bit with the alien i think it just had to do with the fact that like you're dealing with this fucked up force you know you Mm -hmm. just kind of got caught up in it unfortunately and the other thing that i thought was kind of neat too is it's really quick you'll miss it if you don't really pay attention is in the barn sequence with uh, billy zane and april right they're playing well i'm trying to think it was her maybe it's it's either him or it might be the kid and I think it is them. They put in tapes, and one of them says, Herrick Massacre, something like that, the, the Herrick Massacre. Mm-hmm. So that's a chainsaw massacre. They're doing a nod to that. Oh, okay. So you ca- it's just in the tape itself. I was like, okay, that's that's kind of clever. So there, there's that. Like, so just playing all these neat little tributes and nods and that's all that neat. stuff. Yeah. I did notice some of the names on the tapes, but I, did, I didn't make a note of them. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's what it says. It says Herrick Chainsaw Massacre. And that's when I said, yeah, Steve gets his fingers bitten off and then killed by the critter. And that was kind of fucked up. I was like, man, first off, he didn't even really want to be in the barn. I mean, not that he's against that. No, he just wanted to be in her. But yeah, not in the exactly. Barn. Like, not that close to home. It's too close no. to the home base. The entire time, no puns, he's like, but... what the shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, damn, he got his fingers bitten off, and then they fucked him up. No, the one thing I will say is those critters will fuck you up bad, like, yeah. real bad. The dad found out the hard way down in that little, I guess, the storm section they had in the house. Yeah, he got fucked up real quick. I wasn't anticipating that, really. 
No, yeah, they got to him pretty good. Like I said, man, those spines make it all something else. I kind of wish we could have saw those get used yeah, more. Yeah, a little bit more. At the same time, like, you start using them more, and then they're effective. So yeah. then you suddenly don't have anybody except the critters <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> yeah. What I thought was kind of neat, too, was Opper, the guy who helped write the screenplay with us. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, he played Charlie in this film, and also was, like, one of the bounty hunters. You know, What I thought was neat about his character was his... Something I noticed, too, in the 80s they did a little bit with some of the characters was, like, have this relationship between either, like, a tween or, like, a 13, 14-year-old kid with, like, the slower person Mm -hmm. in town or whatever. If you watch Leprechaun, you have one of those characters in the film. It it seemed like it was a trope a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, that's what they're doing with this guy. And in some parts, he's also what they call, was it, uh, like, Crouching Moron, Hidden Badass. I think one of the TV tropes. And a little bit, a little bit of the Ahab character, like he has the knowledge before all that shit happens, even though he's not like a, a come and go character. But yeah, and he does. I mean, towards the end, it's weird because his feelings about extraterrestrials is what keeps him on the right path to catch up with everybody at the end. So it's kind of <laughs> yeah. funny that he actually can sort of sense shit a little bit. But yeah, exactly. But um, it's just like it. It's a fun way of exploring. Something that has been done before with like some of those drive-through 1950s, you know, that came from outer space kind of stories and shit. But modernized it, used a really cool sci-fi aspect with the critters, the crites. That was was something that kind of bugged me. I'm like, if you're going to say their actual alien name, don't make it something (laughs) so fucking close to Critter. (laughs) Well, even in the squad car, when Scott Grimes' character, you know, he's like, yeah, you help me, I'll help you. And they're like... It's like critters, like crites, critters. It's like, oh, god damn it, yeah. Like if you're gonna say the real out. alien name, like it was too make close. it make don't make it crite. <laughs> I do like the opening sequence because it's funny how it's just like, oh, there's a fucking prison asteroid <laughs> that they're gonna drop them off at. I fucking loved that they were just like, yeah, well, we had to eat, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why there's only got eight of, rid of them. Two of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I did feel, I was like, man, this feels a little bit like a Doctor Who, a little yeah. sci-fi-ish, just a little bit. But I kind of like that, too. I guess growing up during certain time periods, too, is like we were a little bit more you know, exposed to that kind of stuff. So you, we get to see those influences a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, revisiting it now, it's like, oh, that's, I really like that, man. It's like seeing these guys as influences. Oh, and I kind of just like the idea that it's so relatable. It's just like, they were kind of shitty at their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not terrible, but they weren't good. Yeah, even during that transmission, I thought it was kind of funny, too. It's like, you know, don't go wreaking havoc like you did before and rips out. You mm-hmm. know? It's funny stuff like that. Another thing I caught, I don't know if you caught it. I think it was my second time through. It was like, oh, okay. You, I, I, think, I think this is right. The cat's name is oh just sec what was it it was chewy yeah 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 i was like oh oh yeah they just happen to name it chewy right yeah, yeah. chewbacca I was like, all right cool that's fun so yeah i mean they're in a little bit of a way they're cleverly kind of making fun of themselves a little bit but yeah super good movie early chiotos early a lot of people who went on to do some great projects it's kind of neat to see, and it's a little bit, too, of a, of a thing for either actors or directors, etc., how they get their start in horror, and then they wind up doing, you know, quote-unquote, progressively better projects. Mm-hmm. But it's always nice to see that they had a home base in horror. The one last thing that kind of made me laugh a little bit was that <laughs> the fucking... The critters at the very end were petty enough to stop their escape just to blow up the house. Oh, yeah, <laughs> 
some Tom Petty shit right there. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I didn't, I didn't know that too. I was like, that is fucking funny. I thought that was great. I yeah. was like, you. I wrote them down. I'm like, you jerky ass little critters. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you fucking jerks. Along that note too is the end. Like, I was thinking this because I, I totally forgot how it ended properly. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, not only did those fucking critters blow their house up, but the fucking bounty hunters were blowing shit up. I wrote down a note about Scott Grimes' character, like, setting the house on fire. I was like, oh, way to set your fucking house on fire. Oh, I know. I was, uh, when he did that, I'm like, is that going to bite them in the ass? Or, like, they now stuck in a fucking flaming house? I know. It's like, god damn. But them fixing the house, he's like, give me a call. I was like, ooh, that's that's an early cell phone. (laughs) But uh, just the fact that they (laughs) I got one of those. Yeah, they, they just pushed the button, and the house fixed, and I was like... Wow, that was... You going to do that for the town? That, that totally erased everything I thought about those bounty hunters. Like, man, these guys are kind of dickheads. <laughs> this came in and wreaked havoc. Fucked shit up. Yeah. Then the chickens are still dead, though. Yeah, they were. So that's what we're talking about with the body count, right? So we have two humans. We already mentioned Billy Zane's character, Steve, and Jeff. Mm-hmm. So those were the two. And because it was PG-13, they knew that they had to tone down the violence. So instead, you talked about the cow that got fucked up. That was a little bit of the gore we had mentioned earlier. And then, of course, the chicken. So I think they said like a total of five or something like that as far as the body counts, if you include the animals. So that's what kept it to a PG-13 rating. Mm. And I mentioned that it was one of the first ones, coincidentally enough, because Gremlins was the one that got the rating boards to start labeling films PG-13. Right. Yeah, so just another one of those trends that followed. Fucking, I really enjoyed it's, watching it's it. It's a fun film. Really yeah, enjoyed I mean, watching it. Like I said, nothing that's going to blow you away, but it's fun. It's, it has a really cool cult status. It was one of those 80s films growing up that I happened to catch when I was... Maybe not for this one, but during that time period, there was some shit I was watching I probably should not have been watching, but that's okay, because now I get to talk about it. <laughs> so, am, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I am really glad we watched films. it. Everybody does a good job. It's got yeah, a lot of fucking actors. If you I like really explosions, it, there's so. a lot of that. It's, it's Michael Bay just all over. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, a little campy. It's a little campy. A little campy. Like you said, makes fun of itself a little bit. Fucking great movie. So, yeah, go watch. Like if you've never movie. seen it, watch it. Check it if out. you have seen it, I mean, then it's up to you on how high up <laughs> that you're going to re having to rewatch. Yeah, it. it's rewatchable value. For I mean, me, it's it's, it's not, a definitely a rewatchable. It movie. is, but it's not like a, a super high one. Like I would watch it with a group of friends and just get yeah. and shit. You know, have a good time with it. Like I don't like or like some kids. Yeah, like my nephews would love this fucking film. Yeah, there you go. Watch it with your nephew. That's that's probably perfect right there. Yeah. It's a good one to introduce to like a younger audience for sure. It's tame enough. There's not, I mean, there's a little bit of language, but not really anything they probably haven't heard before. Yeah, they have to read the language for the most part. Yeah, and, and even that will probably be above them, so that's all right. Because I don't remember those parts. Yeah. Cool. I think that's all I have for Critters. Yeah, that's about it, man. Like I said, it was fun to revisit it. It's a fun little creature film. One thing I do want to mention before we close this out yeah. was the fact that that kid had one of the best fucking roofs. For a kid about to hit his prime teenage oh, years. Oh, yeah. That place was so easy to fucking get out of. Not only that, but, man, I was like, there would have been so many nights out there on that farm. I would have been stoned out my oh, fucking mind, shit, yeah. staring at the stars on that roof. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I never had a roof like that. I didn't either. That been cool. I would have taken advantage of that every night. That I could have done that. That's what I'm getting at. But, yeah, outside of that, I like the music video, too. That's like super 80s. Love that shit. <laughs> 
That was awesome. That jump sealed it for me. Power of the Night. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, my God. Power of the Night. Everybody was bumping that song, too. Everybody Wallace, was fucking the bumping. Kid. I was like, this I is like fucking Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> well, somebody's going to have it as a ringtone 20 years before ringtones. That's fucking hilarious, man. But it just, it reminded me a little bit of watching Trick or Treat as well. So it was kind of neat to... Like trick said, just, or treat, not trick or treat. Trick or treat, yeah, for sure. But it's just a fun 80s film is what I'm getting at. And I'm glad it was one of those I got to catch, you know, back in the late 80s. Hell yeah. So Critters was this week. We have tentative plans for next week. Yep. We'll see what actually ends up happening. But in order to keep listening to us, please hit subscribe, however you're currently listening. You can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. We have other ways of listening linked up at the top. Our latest episodes stream down at the bottom. Links to our archive, our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, any other thing you can think of in the middle. If you need something else, we'll make it. Let us know by hitting us up through our website or squirmcast at gmail.com. And it would be super, super awesome if you would rate and review us on iTunes because that gets us into the algorithm so more people can find us and listen to our beautiful voices. Yeah, no doubt. So we always enjoy hearing from our fans, hearing from people who might be in the industry. So if you ever want to collaborate or if you just want to you know, give us a shout out, we can give you one back. We just enjoy it. That's right. So, fuck, I guess I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Oh. oh.